0: Well, why don't you hold your Bible real high, shout this is my Bible, (laughs) I believe what it says I am, I can do what it says I can do.
1: I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer,
0: not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter number 14, still talking about how to function in your assignment supernaturally. Amen. So we were in Matthew chapter number 14 uh, last week and uh, we dealt with the supremacy of God's word, how important God's word is in our lives if we are going to function supernaturally in our assignments. We discovered that the word of God has to be at the center of your life. Amen. Amen. And so now we still in Matthew chapter number fourteen as our foundational scripture, and it says in verse twenty-two. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Someone say he told them to get into a ship. He says he constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. Someone shout he told them to go all the way to the other side. The the other side. Now tell your neighbor he didn't tell them to go halfway and drown. <laughs> I want you to pay attention to that. Jesus said, get on the ship. In other words, start this journey, but it's not going to be short-circuited. It's not going to be aborted. You are going to go all the way to the other side. And these are the words of the Master. These were the words of Jesus pertaining to the assignment that he has given us. Now, how many of you know that God has given each and every one of us an assignment that will make an impact in this world? God has never created an accident. Listen, you may have been an accident to your parents, but guess what? To God, you're not. Let's go to Psalm 139 to validate that. 139 verse 14, and um, I'm going to read in the NIV. Psalm 139 verse 14 uh, all the way to 16 in the NIV. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Let's just make a declaration. You know, ladies, he was talking about designing your words with your life. These are some of the words that you should be putting in your mouth daily. Someone shout, I am fearfully, I am fearfully and wonderfully, and wonderfully made. made. Now look at your neighbor and say, his works are wonderful. His works are wonderful. Now shout, I know that full well. I know It says in verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. So God knew about you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Amen? Amen. And watch what he says right after that. He says, all the days ordained for me written in your book before one of them came to be. Man, this is awesome. He's saying after God thought of you, after God deposited his purpose and his assignment on you, he ordained every single day, all the way to the end. So God didn't start until he was finished. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. This was on God's side of the ledger. You know, my wife has been trying to get me on this app called Ways for you know some time. Now I'm on it, now she had been trying. And, you know, I was just resisting and resisting. And the one time I was picking up some friends from the airport, and we caught the how train, and when we were in Stanton, you know, I looked at my Google Maps, and it said I was going to take one and a half hours to get to four Ways. That's when it hit me, the wisdom that my wife has.
1: Oh yeah, right. I was like, man, I need to download Ways. That That
0: woman, Lord, you gave me, was talking about. And then I downloaded Ways, and Waze is a funny way of getting you to your destination quicker, because number one, it's real time, and number two, it knows roads that none of us have ever heard of. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded Waze and I put the destination, and Waze told me that it was going to take me 40 minutes to get to four ways. So it cut my distance uh, from a one hour 30 minutes to 40 minutes. And it's the same thing. With God here, ordaining. Here's what's interesting about ways. When you type in your destination, it gives you a list of rows that you're going to use to get to your destination in 30 minutes. Uh, Amen? Amen. Just like when God ordained your days pertaining to your assignment, He did it in the shortest way possible.
1: Uh
0: This is why the Bible says, His ways are higher than our ways. So if you want to get to your destination, you better do it His way and not your own way. So just because God has ordained all of your days, does not mean you're going to walk in all of your days. Man, that's awesome. You know why? Because God still gave you free will. (laughs) We are not robots. Have you ever been in a car with someone who just totally overrides Google Maps or Waze or whatever you you? (laughs) use?
1: They know better than the F. Have you ever been in
0: someone like that? Then yeah. the app is saying, in 200 meters, turn right. And they say, no, I'm going to turn left in 50 meters. And then when you are stuck in traffic, they realize, oh man, that thing was clever. I should, have, I should have gone with that thing. It's the same thing. God has ordained every single day of your life. But the real question is, are you going to submit yourself to what he has ordained for you? Because you have free will. You have freedom to choose whether to turn left or to go straight. Or to do nothing at all.
1: How many of you realize that
0: just getting the instruction sitting in Santon, does not get me to four ways? I still have to switch the ignition and put the foot on the pedal. The metal on the pedal and drive to four ways. While listening to the instruction. Yeah. Amen? It's the only way that I'll get to my destination. Similarly, God ordained good things. Someone say good things. Yeah. Let us go to Jeremiah chapter number eleven, verse chapter number twenty nine, verse eleven. Man, a lot of people are still doing it my way. Man, if you do it your way, you'll be stuck for one hour and thirty minutes. When it could have taken you 40 minutes. Or less. Man the children of Israel tried to do it their way. A journey that could have taken 10 days. Took about 40 years. Man. I'll do it his way. Amen. Amen. It says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Says the Lord. The plans for good. Someone say God has a good plan for me. So the, the, the instructions God is giving you are not to hurt you. They are not to harm you. Watch this. They are not to slow you down. See, a lot of people think God is trying to slow them down in this relationship. You see, God is saying, man, I, I need to sex after marriage. He's trying to slow me. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> You see, he says the plans are for good, not for a disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So God's plan for you is good. It is to accelerate you to your place of destiny. God has a good plan for you. So God has a plan to prosper you. So that's out of the question. The real question is, are you planning to be prospered by God? So God has a great plan for you, but are you planning to be doing it His way? Amen? Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10. Watch what it says in verse 10 in in the King James Bible. It says, for we are His workmanship. Talking about the born again children of God. Someone shout I am His workmanship. Now that word workmanship is an awesome word. In the Greek it's poema, where we get the English word poem. So God is saying, or or the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's saying, you and I are God's poem, carefully put together. Listen, a poem is different from a paragraph. It's carefully put together. Every word is carefully thought out. And usually poems rhyme. And they have a rhythm to it. And that's what he's saying here. God has created you to be his uh, 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 poem, to be his, his craft. Yes. Amen. Yes. He says created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained or has before ordained. That's on God's side of the ledger. The rest that I'm going to read, I don't even know if I should read it. Because once I read it, you can't cop out. Once I read it, you won't have an excuse. Once I read it, you can't plead ignorance. You know, God, I I just didn't know. No, you're about to know. (laughs) Amen? Everything else is on God's side of the ledger. He created you to be His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works or for good things. Amen? And God ordained it before you were created. What's your responsibility? What's your responsibility in it? So that we should walk in them. All you have to do is to start walking in it. See, a lot of people want God to create it and He walk in it for them. Pastor Tate said something profound on the broadcast if you watched it on uh, Friday. Uh, on TBN, uh, Pastor Tate, with me. And he said uh, something that was awesome. You know, God has charged us to be meditative, contemplative beings. He has given us an instruction that if we meditate on His word, we will prosper. And he said something profound. He said, uh, Pastor T, do you realize that uh, uh, God has given it to us as a responsibility on our part to be the ones meditating? So it's not God meditating for us. <laughs> It's not the pastor laying hands on you. And then you get meditated. (laughs) By osmosis. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is your part. Your part is to walk in it. God has ordained that your finances be at a certain place. God has ordained that your marriage be at a certain place. God has ordained that your career in the marketplace be at a certain place. The real question is, are you walking in what He has ordained? Because if you do, it will produce good works. Uh You can't help it but see good things. Why? Because God has a good plan for you. So whatever He ordained or whatever instruction He has already given in His Word will give you the ability to walk in it to a place of greatness, to a place of goodness. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Let's go back now to Matthew chapter number 14, verse 24. Someone shout, I am carefully created to be a success, to be a wonder in this life. See, a lot of people have tried to do it their way and they've bumped into stuff. They've tried to do it their way. Someone has been trying for like 60, 65 years, 70 years, but trying to do it your way, nothing happening. And then they realize, man, let me just submit to God's way. Man, when you submit to God's way, you will get the God kind of results.
1: Yeah.
0: And the earlier you submit to God's way, the better. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. He says after the disciples get on, got on the ship, verse 24. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. So there was a storm, and Jesus shows up walking on the storm. So Jesus is not faced by your life challenges. He's not surprised. Jesus be walking on the very thing that was tormenting them. He's making a point. Jesus is the solution to your problems. I have a question for you. Who existed first, God or the devil? Is God your solution or your problem? So your problem... Only came way after the solution has already had already existed. Your solution is already is always there. If you find God, you will find your solution. Amen. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is a spirit." And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, "Be of good cheer! It is I. Be not be afraid." Why? Because fear stops the flow of the power of God. That's why he wants them to be of good cheer. Amen. Verse 28. And Peter answered him, said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto thee. I like Peter. Peter was like, man, we're going down anyway. We're dying anyway. So if that's Jesus, I may as well get out of the boat and experience what Jesus is experiencing. And that's what it's going to take for you to experience a supernatural assignment. To get out of the boat. How many of you realize that for you to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat? And the boat speaks of a place of comfort. You know, just kind of holding hands, kumbaya. Have you ever heard people say, you know, you know I'm glad I'm not the only one who has flu? <laughs> As if that makes it better. Like, man, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's just, you know, at least it's many of us. Peter was tired of that average life of, you know, I'm glad it's not just me. He's like, man, I'm going to do something different. And it's usually one out of twelve, which is sad. God has a good plan for twelve out of twelve. But only one. Usually gets out of the boat. Hey, listen, I'm going to take my chances. And Peter did not have the privilege and the benefit of reading uh, verse uh, 29 before verse 28. So Peter didn't have the whole paragraph before he walked on water. (laughs) See, sometimes we read the whole thing and we think Peter read it and it's like, okay, let's act it out. No, Peter didn't have the benefit. Just like Abraham, he didn't have the benefit of reading the rest of the story. All he heard at the time in the spare of the moment inspired by the Holy Spirit was leave your father's house. And faith is a risk. Faith gets out of the boat to walk on water. Faith does not sit in the boat and complain with the rest of them. You know, faith will do something different. You remember the four lepers in the Old Testament? They had been cast out of the city because there was famine in the land and they were sitting under a tree, dying. Now, leprosy is a nasty, you know, disease. It just plagues your body and limbs will be falling off. You know, your eyes could just be falling off and you've got sores everywhere. And these guys are sitting under a tree. They can't go back into the city because they've been, you know, cast out. Because it was uh, contagious. So they're sitting under a tree and they start talking. He said, "Gents, we are dying here. Sitting under this tree. And there was a famine in the land. Everyone was hungry. And they said, man, if we go back into the city, we're going to die of hunger because there's a fair mine there. What are we going to do? He said, man, let us go to the enemy's camp. We're dying anyway. We're dying in the city. We're dying sitting under the tree. At least let's die having fun. It's all dying, right? It's all dying. I may as well die walking on water. That's what Peter realized. It's like, man, this boat is going down. I may as well experience some supernatural for about two minutes. And guess what? At least I'll die having fun. Man, I say all of this to say some of you are dying in your job, you know, your assignment. Some of you are dying in your relationship. But at this time now, you're just, ah, you know, I'm staying for Avantuan. Okay, all right, move it right. Okay,
1: this is not a license to leave, Amen. pastor T told me I must leave.
0: No, I didn't. <laughs> Stay for Avantuan. Amen. <laughs> hey, man, these Jews are sitting there; they're dying. <laughs> like we are done. We're going to do something different. Let us go to the enemy's camp. That's what they say. They say, let us go to the enemy's camp. Let's do something fun. Let's do something exciting. Let's do something risky. That's what faith is. Jesus didn't have the benefit of reading Lazarus coming forth. When he said Lazarus come forth. No, faith always goes out on a limb faith says come forth and he says wait a minute what did I just do and then Lazarus comes forth oh man it worked let me do it again rise up and walk I go, oh man this thing works faith is a risk they said let's go to the enemy's camp forecast going towards the enemy's camp limbs falling off ears Falling off. One eye probably. Just dragging the other feet. Going towards the enemy's camp. God saw them take a step of faith. How many of you know that you walk by faith? Faith doesn't sit under a tree. Faith walks. Faith do, does something. Faith will get out of the boat. Faith has action. They said we're going to do something. As they were going to the enemy's camp, God triple compounded their efforts. He said I'm going to join in on the fun. The enemy heard it as a sound of a mighty army. Four guys. Oh no. Four sick guys. And you are well able.
1: Four guys
0: are going towards the enemy's camp. And all the enemy could hear because God was like, that. when you are faith, God wants to join in on the fun. He said, I'm joining in on the fun. Oh, the could hear. God is a man. They were like, oh man. It looks like Israelites have joined in with other forces and they are coming to attack us. So they left in panic and left everything.
1: Uh,
0: Man, there's always a reward when we choose to walk in faith. Uh,
1: amen.
0: He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Those who are diligent in their work, God rewards them.
1: Uh, amen.
0: Everyone left. They left everything. Diamonds and pearls
1: in the land.
0: These four guys got in there and they could not believe it. They said, what has happened? said, man, everyone has left everything. Can you imagine? After days and days of hunger and poverty. You choose to step out in faith. You go into a place. This is one of the places where we see uh, something called wealth transfer. There are about seven wealth transfer incidents in God's Word overnight. You go to sleep poor. You wake up the next day in abundance. Sure. What are you going to do with it? Man, they got in there. You, you look like a, you know, like a Rolex watch like mine. You know, you look at it. You know, like
1: They left it. You know, when they say diamonds and pearls,
0: I looked at all my diamonds. I was like, man. Hunt your neighbor and say, he's speaking of things that are not as though they are. I'm in scripture right now. I'm in scripture right now, man. You need to speak of things that are not as though they are.
1: When the real diamonds
0: come, don't be the one player hating. Because I'm prophesying right now. They got in there. Everything was left. Everything. They started eating. They started taking advantage of everything that had been left. Trying on new clothes. And they said, man, this is not right.
1: <laughs> See, whenever
0: God brings you to a place of abundance, you always think of ministering to someone else. They say, this is not right. Let's go back and share the glad tidings with the people in the land. Now, here's what's interesting. There was a guy who the prophet had given a prophetic word that by this time tomorrow, all the prices are going to go down. Everything is going to change in the economy of Israel. You know what this guy said? He said it will never happen. Sure. And the prophet said, no, it will happen. It will just not happen to you.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: here's, here's the cool thing about God's things. He doesn't force them on anyone. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: See, some of you don't believe God can prosper your finances. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It won't happen to you. <laughs> some of you don't believe God heals.
1: You know, you're one of
0: those people who think pastors bring in their own sick people. Don't worry. When you get sick, it won't happen to you. So don't worry about it. No need to argue. Don't panic. If you don't believe it, it's not going to happen to you. So you know what happened? As everyone was going out in a stampede, they trampled on the guy who was saying, it will never happen. And it didn't happen to him as the prophet had prophet Go and read it. Man, it's an awesome story. But the whole nation was delivered by four lepers who chose to do something different about their situation.
1: They realized
0: man sitting under a tree and complaining is not going to change anything. Let us do something different. Amen? Amen.
1: I said amen. Amen.
0: Let's go back now to Matthew uh, chapter number 14 and uh, we're going to read uh, verse 29. And when Jesus said come, and when Peter was come out of... The sheep, he walked on water to go to Jesus. Someone shout, Peter, Peter. Walked, on water. walked on water. Doesn't matter what else happened afterwards, Peter walked on water. Amen? Verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Yeah. Now, Peter, I don't even know why you're focusing on the wind. Because yeah. it could have been a sunny day and there is no wind at the swimming pool, you would not have walked on water. So the reason you are walking on water is not because the environment is conducive. See, the reason you are doing well in ministry is not because the environment is conducive. It is simply because you are walking on the word. So the environment has got nothing to do with it. Because even if there was a calm on the sea, you still wouldn't have walked on water. The reason you're doing the supernatural is because you're walking on the Word. And if you keep your eyes on the Word, who is Jesus? Guess what? You will continue to do the supernatural in your assignment. You know, when they were teaching me how to drive, they said, The first rule of driving. Who knows the first rule of driving? Keep your eyes on the on the road. They told me whatever you look at, that's what you're going to drive into. And it's the same thing. Whatever you look at, that's what you're submitted to. If you look at the storm, you submit your life to the storms of life. Man, you could be in the biggest economy in the world. What's the biggest economy in the world right now? It's the U.S.? Henry and I were in Los Angeles. Did we see poor folk there? Is it easy to make money in America? It should be. Is it easy to get a job? Every place we went to was hiring. Did we see kids who didn't have jobs? Why? Because that's what they're focusing on. Man, if they gave me a green card, I'll tell you right now.
1: I'll be doing some
0: crazy things in that economy. Because it's what you focus on. Everybody else is eating, everybody else is prospering in the marketplace, but there's some guys who choose to focus on the ills of the economy, there's some guys who choose to focus on the change of government, and and that's what they manifest in their lives. Man, but when you focus on Jesus, you will begin to experience the very thing that Jesus is experiencing. You want to become like Jesus? You want to be a solution provider to the world? Focus on Jesus. Jesus was never met with a problem that he didn't have a solution for.
1: Yeah.
0: When they told him 5,000 people are uh, hungry, you know what he said? Feed them.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> Man, that's a nice solution for, for hungry people, right? <laughs> so I feed them. They said, with what? We only have this much money. He said, no, I have a solution. Feed them with two fish and five logs and he managed to provide a solution. There is not a single marketplace problem that Jesus didn't have a solution for. And when you focus on Jesus, you become a valuable asset even in the marketplace. You become a valuable asset even in the ministry. But you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what the Bible says uh, in Hebrews 12, I believe, verse 3 onwards. It says fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How do we focus Fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on His Word. Because Jesus is His Word. Remember John chapter number 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among them. We beheld His glory begotten of the Father. And they comprehended Him not. So Jesus and His Word are one. Just like you and your Word are one. Oh man, that. <laughs> That means if your word is good. If your word is, you know, I'll get there at 11. 11 a.m., I'll be there at 11 a.m. And then you show up at 20 past 11. And you act like nothing is wrong. (laughs) I had people yesterday who came to me. They said, Pastor T, you know... uh, uh, actually, one of the people, they confessed. They said, Pastor T, you know, I came in late for the worship night, but I'm disappointed because we finished on time.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, why did you come late? They said, because I know African time, if it's 6 p.m., it's 6.30. I said, well, we're not running under African time here. If it's 6 p.m., on the dot, we'll start. But you can give us the closing prayer.
1: <laughs>
0: Man, I'm telling you, when you start honoring his word and focusing on his word, you'll begin to experience the very thing that Jesus experienced. In closing, how many minutes is it? Five minutes? In closing, let's go to Matthew chapter number 7, verse 24 to 29. You know, the leaders have been putting me under tremendous pressure. Say, Pastor, you preach forever. <laughs> So now they have a timer for
1: me.
0: Man, you've been talking all the time. Matthew chapter number seven, verse twenty-four to twenty-nine in the Message Bible. Please watch what it says. This is Jesus speaking, so this is important. Amen. This is Jesus talking about His Word and how important it is in our lives. And man, this is this is awesome. I don't even know if I should read this. But let me read it anyway, since you're here. Jesus said, these words I speak unto you are not incidental additions to your life. These are not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Man, that's awesome. That's a mouthful. These are not incidental additions. You know when you already have a house, and you buy a little flower at the market, and you put it in the house? That's an incidental addition. It doesn't add value to your house. You know, like I put this little flower, so we're going to charge extra for this. Well, check out the flower. And give me my discount. You can have the flower, amen? Those are incidental additions. They don't add value. Now, if you use God's word as an incidental addition, it's not going to, give you much, it's not going to be of much value to you. Amen? You see, these are not uh, incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Someone say foundational words. You see, they are foundational words, words to build a life on. The difference between incidental additions, you know, flowers and and so on and so forth, is that the foundation, if you take out the foundation, the price of the property will change. By more than 90%, I believe. Because I don't want a house with no foundation. Because I mean, I'll be worried all the time. there's a little bit of rain, I'll be worried. Amen? Amen. He says these are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work, the word if, I-F, then you can put, you can mark that word, put a chewing gum on it, do something. That's the fine print in the covenant. If. And I like ifs. You know why? Because it shows me I have a choice in the matter. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down. The river flooded. A tornado hit. But nothing moved. That house, it was fixed on the rock. Next verse. But if you just use my words in Bible studies. And I'm so glad I'm not the one saying this.
1: These are hard words.
0: You see, but if you just use my words in Bible. Have you ever met people who are so deep in Bible studies, they drown in their own, you know, depth. You're like, man, that was so deep. What was that? I don't even know what you were talking about. When <laughs> I used to go to services like that, when you walk in and everything is so deep, you're like, man, that was so deep.
1: <laughs>
0: and I didn't understand the thing.
1: <laughs> he says, if you
0: just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a... Uh, man, I'm so glad I'm not <laughs> Jesus, he says, if you're, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach... When. Someone say when. when. Notice it didn't say if. Yeah. He said when. When a storm rolled in. You know what that means? That means the storm is coming. Yeah. For all of us. Yeah. Man, I wish there was a world that was problem free. I wish I'd get myself a visa. Yeah. And I'll give them some proof of uh, uh, some evidence that I'm coming back to this one.
1: And then once they give me the visa,
0: I would go there and then get to that land and see how I can change my status. Because I would be glad to relocate to the land that does not have problems. Unfortunately, this one that you and I are in, when the storm rolls in. So here's what's awesome about the storm rolling in. You can start building your life on a ground, on a firm foundation on a day like today, today. You can start focusing on building your life on His words today. So that when the storm rolls in, you already have a strong foundation. Because it's not easy. Think about it. It's not easy building during the storm. In fact, the safety board in South Africa, they won't even let you build if it drizzles. It's just a little bit of rain. They, they, they don't want any accidents. They don't want anyone building. No one on site. No one on the con, con, contract, uh, uh, construction site. They don't want anyone there. And a lot of people in the church, unfortunately, want to build during the storm. What's that scripture? What's that scripture you say? <laughs> where's that scripture? What's that scripture about healing? Ah, I need it now. Man, get that scripture right now and build on that foundation right now. So that when the storm hits, you are calm. You know why Jesus could sleep during the storm? Because he knew his feet were standing on a firm foundation. On a solid rock. So when the storm came, Jesus was sleeping. They had to wake him up. Think about it. You know, when a storm hits, the water comes into the boat. Jesus was probably, you know, Halfway in the water, but just sleeping. Can you imagine? Just sleeping and the storm is hitting. Why? Where did he get that much confidence? Because he was standing on the word, On a solid rock. Amen? Amen. Amen. He said, man, if you don't do that, you're like a stupid carpenter. When the storm rolled in and when the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And here's the thing. He's talking to Christians. So there are two kinds of Christians. There are those who will build their life based on his word and there are those who will build their life based on my way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My way won't get you much yeah. and it won't get you far. Yeah. Yeah. But when you start doing it his way see God didn't create us to be cookie cutter Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Copy and paste. Yeah. You know, on your laptop. <laughs> you know, my wife and I were in uh, San Diego 2013 and I was sitting we were sitting at the beach playing cards and God spoke to me In that moment, it was as loud as daybreak. I could hear it. And God spoke to me and he said, you shall start reaching your community uh, through Facebook, through short clips, and so on and so forth. And use social media and things like that of that nature. And I heard the formula as clear as day. And when I came back, we started doing that. We started, you know doing short clips. And most of the people in here came because they saw us on social media and on Facebook. But here's what would typically happen to my pastor friends. They would come to me and they say, you know, uh, Pastor T, what camera do you use? <laughs> it's not the camera, dummy.
1: It's
0: the instruction. Say, so how many minutes should the clip be? I tell them. And then they go and they try it and they come back they say, no, this thing doesn't work. And I tell them, it doesn't work for you. Cause you didn't get it, I got it for me and my assignment. And God has not called us to be cookie cutter Christians, He hasn't called us to copy and paste. You know, what are people making money with these days? Yeah, we want to. Yeah, they are making chickens, chickens is money these days. Have you ever heard people like that? Man, God wants you to be the leader. God wants you to hear from him and lead the pack. Not be the one following everyone around. But for you to do that, you need clarity of his voice. And how do you get to that? Just like what Brother Tinashe was talking about, there are two different levels of time. There is Kronos and Kairos. And there are two different levels of his word. There is Logos, which is the written word. And then there is Ramah, which comes in the spare of the moment. You are not going into Ramah if you are not faithful with Logos. Why should I whisper something nice to you when you ain't even reading my letters?
1: <laughs> amen, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. You are not faithful with chronos, mm. with being at work at 8. Mm. Why should God promote you into Kairos, God-opportune times? Uh, You're going to waste that. That's a higher dimension. Uh, you need to be faithful with grade 1 to 7 for you to go to grade uh, 8. eight. And for you to go to university, they will check if you have been faithful with grades 13 or upper (laughs) 6. Form 6. Amen. They will check to see what you've been doing for the last five years in high school. Have you been faithful with physics and chemistry before you try to fly jets?
1: What did you get? (laughs)
0: Before you try to be a doctor, what did you get in biology, in uh, chemistry, in in what else? Math? Physics? Stuff of that nature. Why do they do that? They want to make sure before they promote you into a place, you've been faithful with where you are. And it's the same thing. You have to be faithful with the written word of God. It has to be life to you. You have to let that word be the foundation of your life. Now when I went to high school, they told us, you know, the seniors... Uh, They told us and they said, uh, here there's only one rule. When I tell you to do something, you don't question it. If I ask you to jump, you don't say why. Because that will get you bitter. (laughs) When I ask you to jump, you ask how high. That's the attitude we should carry when God gives us instruction. Why? Why should we carry that attitude? Because we know God has good intentions for us. He has ordained good things in our days. So he possibly couldn't be setting me up for a trap. No. Yeah. See, people play Kate, uh, cat and mouse with God because they think God is setting them up for, for, to fail. God is setting you up for success. Every single word is put in his word is a setup
1: Amen.
0: to win. Man, if you read it with a suspicious heart, you will be like, ah. <laughs> you won't use it to frame the foundation of your life and I mean when the storm hits it will collapse like a house of cards next verse when Jesus concluded his address the crowd burst into applause they had never heard a teaching like this man that's awesome why had they never heard a teaching like this it was because Jesus was simple enough for them to understand All the religious leaders, what they did was just, you know, be deep about it. (laughs) Write this down. An anointed preacher will take the complex and make it simple. An annoying preacher (laughs) will take the simple and make it complex. Jesus was talking to everyday people. That's why he didn't use physics, because I would have missed it. He was a farmer, going into the field and sowing seeds, so that all of us could relate and learn from it. Ah. Jesus was talking to common man, and he broke it down so simply that when they heard it, man, they clapped. Finally, yeah. I get to go to church and understand something. Finally, <laughs>
1: Amen.
0: There's a man who teaches on my level, man. That was awesome. They burst into applause because they had never heard the teaching like this. Now, the second part shows us why Jesus is the greatest teacher of all time. Not only were his teaching simple, now watch what happened. It was apparent that he was leaving everything he was saying. Two things will make your teaching ministry powerful. Number one, teach it simple. Number two, do it. See, people want to be deep and not do any of that. Be simple and do it. Amen. Be the number one customer of your own messages. Yeah. Amen? Amen? It was apparent. It, says it was apparent that he was living every word that he was teaching. You know what the word apparent means? It means it was easy. It was simple to see. Have uh-huh. you ever seen these prophesying mean people? They just mean but they want to prophesy. They just mean.
1: <laughs>
0: you don't see the love of God in them. They're not living what they're supposed to be living. And they just want to be, you know, talking about all these deep things. Come on, man. Let's start with the foundation. Let's start with the basics. Can the fruit of the Spirit at least flow from you? Can I see some gentleness? Can I see... Man, people are not stupid. People are looking at your life. There has to be a correlation between your mouth and your actions for you to be a good teacher. It was apparent. It was easy to see. Not hard to see. Not, I need to pray in tongues to see something good. Usually, you know, when you're dealing with couples and, you know, overseas and so on and so forth, and they, they really have had enough of each other. I usually ask them, is there any good that you see in is a pastor I'll left to pray in tongues? To, <laughs> to see anything good in this one? It wasn't that. This was apparent. It was easy to see good in Jesus. It was easy to see that he was living. Every single word that he was teaching. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. (laughs) That's the difference between a kingdom teacher and a religious teacher. A kingdom teacher, simple to understand, a religious teacher, you know, they're trying to confuse you. And usually it's for their own uh, ego, stroking. Mm. You know? How was my message? Did it confuse you enough? The sermon was deep, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like, man, they're using all these words, you know, like, super, supercalifragilisticexpialidociously delicious. Can you say that to your neighbor? (laughs) So it's not going to help you, right? So if you can't say it to your neighbor, you're not going to use it in evangelism. But if you understand it, you can use it. Amen? Now watch what it says. This was the best teaching they had ever heard.